Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through a repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. All right. So this is not a normal introduction because I don't care about that. Most people care about transaction. I care about transformation. Oh, you want me to go for another one? Yeah, please. Most people who care about monetary success. I care about moments. All right. Two T's, two M's. Can I get another letter? Another letter <laughs> in the dictionary. Anyways, you get the point. So we were talking, I was talking with uh, Gabe's who's getting promoted, by the way, to uh, head of strategic partnerships. She's doing phenomenal. We were talking about the first episode and the first guest because Levels of Wealth is all about, it's really cool. It's about levels and it's about wealth. It's a wonderful name. But I had this thought, and this is why your name came to mind. It's like, if I teach people that wealth is a P&L, I've messed up. Or if I get people really excited about real estate or really excited about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but I do so at the expense of them being a good dad or a good spouse, I've messed up. It's like, man, what is the most transformational, longest lasting view of wealth. And dude, it's the moments you have with people. It's like, who is, who is the wealthiest individual that I can think of that has all the things that I want when it comes to the number one asset class, which is people, Keith Yaki, Keith Yaki, man, hundred percent, because you more than anybody else I've ever met, you have this thing where people like to say that their number one asset class is people, but they say their number one asset class is people, but then they put all their time and money into actual other things. And you have this, you have this knack, you have a, you have a knack, yak, of really investing your time and money into people and to your kids and to your friends and to the real asset classes of your life, which are the human beings around you. So I was like, bro, let's get yak on the podcast. Let's talk about what real wealth is. And we can also talk about raising money. You've raised $50 million. You've run a successful business. You live in a beautiful place, a beautiful house. Like you're doing pretty well. But man, more than anything else, you are the wealthiest friend that I have when it comes to your relationships. So anyways, all without further ado, welcome to the show. You are episode numero uno. It's good to have you. Dude, Taylor, you know how much I love you as a friend and how much I care about you and care about our moments and our times together. So it's an honor to be the first on this show. And uh, yeah, we can talk about raising money. We can talk about private money. That's fine. But you, you know, dude, like when it comes down to it, I'm more proud of who my friends are that are like my real friends that have looked me in the eye like you have and just be like, man, I love you. You're one of a kind. I love being your friend. That means the world to me. I love it. Dude, let's, let's dive into the, so we were talking before this and we, you were saying when your marriage unraveled and you were in the big house with all of the money, the big bank account, your view of wealth changed. Let's yeah. just go straight there, dude, because I think, I think that's like, I've never been more free than the moment that I realized that my capital was greater than my balance sheet. So I think we should start with that story and just like, tell us what happened and what you learned. Yeah. Well, here's what I learned. I learned that you know, it's easy to talk about it. And I'm, I'm charismatic. 
I know that when I step into a room, it lights up. Like you, you're not this, you don't shine this bright without knowing that, that that's what happens. And I, I've, I've worked on that. So I've been able to do that for others and I love others and I feed off of their energy and I feed energy into them only to come home and realize that my wife's like, dude, you run your business, you talk about your business and you fall asleep on the couch. That is not what we signed up for. And no matter how many times I ask you to change, you don't. So she left and I was just like, wow, I've been attracting lots of women, lots of people, lots of amazing human beings in my life. But the one I wanted to stay was like, I would rather live life without you in it. That was such a kick to the gut to, to realize that my money wasn't where my mouth was. I wasn't truly investing in the one person, two people actually, that deserved and earned my love and respect and attention more than anybody else. So that's where everything shifted. That was five years ago. I was like, oh. What'd you do? What do you mean? Like, did you go after fixing it or did you, what what'd you have to do? Immediately. I hired three coaches within the first three days. Now, here's what's interesting, because you know the line of work I'm in now with Married Game. I actually never believed that those three coaches actually went through what I went through. They had great psychology and great tactics that actually helped me get Jesse back. But I never believed with all my heart that like that person went through what I went through. It's why I share a lot of the stories of how I failed now, because people can go, oh, dude, I've done exactly what that Yahoo's done. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of your framework for selecting coaches today? Like, do you typically want them to have been in your shoes prior? This is a controversial question, by the way. Yeah, not necessarily. Hiring a coach now is different for me. It's usually very specific and for something that I really want. But I can tell you that when somebody's been through what you've been through, they can help you with the emotional stuff. They can help you with, hey, you're going to struggle with this and you're going to think you're wrong. In reality, you're actually right. So don't give up right at that point. So I feel like it's helpful to have a Sherpa that's actually walked the path before me. It makes sense how you've, I'll just tell people a story. Like we didn't even really know each other. This was maybe two years ago. We had met, we met in a bathroom at a business conference. It was really awesome. It was an awesome experience. The best experience I've had in a bathroom. Um, (laughs) But I'm in town. I'm in San Diego and you're what? Two hours away from ish, two hours. And uh, you called me, you you said, Hey, I'm driving down to meet you. Uh, And I was like, okay, he's probably got clients in town or whatever. And we go to dinner and, um, we have dinner at uh, what's that place called? True Lux. True Lux. True Lux in San Diego. And then you get up and, you, and you're like, I'm going home. And I was like, You drove all the way down here for me. I thought you were in town or whatever. And you're like, No, I just wanted to come see my friend. And I was like, Wow, dude, this is a rare form of relationship because a lot of business leaders do it in reverse. We, here's what we do you, you're going to recognize this. We, we're like, My time is worth XYZ an hour. And so we get really stringent on protecting our time. And I think what happens is we actually trade asset classes and we almost convert out of really good, healthy, fulfilling relationships with great people. And we convert out of that asset class into just a basic form of real estate or bank balance. And somehow you've managed to do them both. How do you make time for relationships and at the same time, run your business, take care of your wife, you're a father, does that ever cross your mind? Are you just a natural Superman at it or do you struggle with time management? I have three things that I look at relationships, priority, price, and plan. All right. So A, if you're my real friend, I'm telling you you're a friend, which means now you've become a priority to me in my life. I don't want friends and I don't want to be a friend that's not a priority to somebody. That's What's the point? 
So I yeah. make it a priority. Number two, I put a price on everything. So as you know, one of my really best friends is Garrett J. White. And we were, we've been doing a lot of business together lately. And I told him we were surfing the other day. I said, I just want you to know that if anybody wrote me a 300 to $500 million check to no longer be your friend, I, it wouldn't take me any time at all to say, I'm not interested. And when you put a price, and this is going to sound a little awkward to some people, but it's it, it, when you put a price on that, it's the same thing with me, Taylor, with you. You and Vargas and Martel. And you're Mike like, you're Mark. like, Taylor, it's the same thing, but yours is 70 million. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like, if somebody said, Keith, I'm going to give you a half a billion dollars. You can no longer talk to Taylor anymore. And I don't have to take any time to think and say, absolutely not. Then that puts a value to me that you're more valuable to me than that money, which means if you call, I'm going to pick up. It means if you're in town, I'm going to drive because when you put a value on something, that means I get more value. I feel more fulfilled knowing that my best friends can truly look and go, dude, that's not just my best friend. He is the best friend you could have. That's what's valuable to me. So it's not valuable to everybody, but I put a price tag. When I said that to Garrett, this was about three months ago when we started doing business together, I had to realize that, you know what? No matter how much business we do together, if it makes us squirrel in any way, shape, or form, I just want you to know I'm 100%. I'm out. Yeah. Because what do I always tell you guys? I want to be drinking coffee when we're 88 years old, talking about life. And then I put together a plan. And that's the third thing. Let's plan it. In the books of when we're going to spend time, let's plan it. Like, hey, when are you coming back into town? Oh, you're within two hours? Okay, we, let's plan it. When, when you came back down to San Diego, San Diego this last time, both of our plan was how do we just – like we have some meetings, but other than that, how do we just hang out? <laughs> how do we just get to spend time talking like real human beings, not about conversion, not about that. Sometimes that comes up and goes, hey, I'm struggling with this, whatever. That's cool. But ultimately like – Dude, what's making you happy? Like, what's making you filled with joy? Like, those are the things that really turn me on. So those are, as I thought about what's a framework, it's real simple, dude. My friends are my priority. They're worth more to me than any price tab you can put on it. And I plan to create a container where we can enjoy things together. Do you do the same thing with, like, with with family? Yeah. You have a daughter. Yep. Is she Seven. Seven. You have this going on multiple different areas, and I think that that's admirable as well. And standards too, Taylor, just so you know, like with my daughter, she will get at, at a minimum 30 minutes of my one-on-one attention with no distractions, no phones, no nothing, minimum every single day. Does she call you out on that if she doesn't get it? She can, yeah. But Jesse doesn't always know everything too. Sometimes Jess like, I don't know if you spend that much time. I'm like, I actually did spend 47 minutes with her. So <laughs> yeah. uh, You got to like, track it. it. I do keep track because that's a number I track is how much time have I spent with my daughter? Well, dude, one of the things that's admirable about you is you're, you, you're not just saying that people are an asset class. And what do you do when you have a portfolio of real estate? I'll tell you, we track it. We track it. We track the cash flow. We track the maintenance, the vacancy rate. We track the appreciation. And so it's probably pretty easy to just say, oh, yeah, my friends and my family, my, the people in my life is an asset class. But you're tracking it and you're treating it as if it's a piece of portfolio. And that's pretty admirable. I think that's what you're doing. Would you agree with that? Hundred percent, man. But still, you gotta you gotta bump me up, dude, to be like equal with. I, I want that five hundred million, like Garrett. <laughs> dude, you have it. But if you, <laughs> I, I, I want five hundred five. Okay, done. But you know my theory about the four horsemen, and like 
and, and it's a little more than four for me, but it's like, who is the people that I go, I want to be that dude. I know a lot of very rich people, all the influencers, I know them and they know me. That's another thing is I know everybody and they know me, but I don't seek deep relationships with every single one of them. I get a, I get a whiff of what I like and I go, Oh, that's my people. Yeah. hundred percent. Even Enneagram eights, bro. <laughs> dude, how many of your friends are Enneagram eights? <laughs> you. Hey, dude, I got rapid fire questions. What was your last, if you don't want to be honest about this, you don't have to, but what was your last big fail? Uh, monetarily? All of the above. Well, monetarily, I spent a bunch of money on radio ads and they didn't convert. So that oh, I was going to ask you about that. They didn't work that well. <laughs> Bummer. I, I, I don't even think I'm going to break even on them, but I got a great story. Um, biggest fail for me, honestly, I'll tell you what feels like the biggest fail for me is when I let Jesse down. No lie. Because my word means so much to me that if I tell him I'm going to do something and I don't quite do it, I just go, damn it, dude. The one person that's like counting on my word or that I want to count on my word. Because I've also found in relationships, you know, when the trust goes up, the lust goes up. But I'm talking about the one relationship with my Jesse, not, not relationships, just Jesse. So if she can't trust me, how is she going to lust for me? When did you let her down? Dude, it's, it's, it, we're talking simple things. Like um, I said, I would do something. Uh, this is the littlest thing. I know you asked me my big failure, but my big failures are the little ones because those are the ones that are like the day to day. So if yeah, I yeah. say, I'll have this ready for you by then. And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh shit, I totally forgot to do that. My bad, man. I don't know if that's where you want to go with it, but that's how I actually feel about it. Dude, it's, I love wherever you want to go. I will follow you wherever to the ends of the earth, my friends. Um, If there were three things that you could teach your kids, what would those three things be? The first one that I've been teaching Jovi religiously lately is carry your own weight. It's a concept that I believe you believe is reason why we're successful at anything is we carry our own weight and we add more value. So for her, like she used to just eat her cereal, leave it at the thing and then go away. That's okay at four five, six, but she turned seven. I said, Hey man, you got to carry your own weight. And that means put your shopping cart away. That means clean up your area, put your shoes away. Hey, if you don't do it, mom's going to have to come over here and put this bowl in the sink. And then she's got to carry your weight. That's not going to fly as you get older. So carry your own weight is a very big one. What's the second one? Remember to have fun. If we're not having fun, then God created us. These, this is number two, number three, number one, to enjoy a lot of things. So I think that having fun is a lot, a really big thing. And then number two is I tell Joby this all the time and you guys all hear me say it. We were created to create. The process of creating is a lot of joy. So me and Jovi, we have a lot of fun. Like we create a lot of things together. And I actually really, really love creating with her and watching her brain, like think of what we should do. And then I ask her a question, like this happened the other day. Taylor, this might've been the coolest thing ever. She started a kid's club. So we created a flyer. This was her idea, create a flyer with all the the copy on it. I'm starting a kid's club. I'm a seven-year-old girl. Please text my mom. Would you like to be a part of my kid's club? Yes or no. And then I showed her how to print it out on Staples. She hit the print button. We went and picked it up, came back, and then we got our sticker book and just put stickers all over it. But here was the coolest thing. This is what I taught her. And this is what she was already kind of teaching me, but I was reinforcing it. She goes, I want them to look at this flyer and go, I have to be a part of this kid's club. It's that awesome looking. So dude, we put like 10 or 15 stickers on each one, but here's the fun thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a penguin dancing with a unicorn eating ice cream. 
who was the cute police on this one? Because they clearly let this one slip through. This is the cutest. And we went back and forth on almost every sticker like that, dude. Dude, that's amazing. So I'm teaching her to create whatever she wants. Just create it. Dude, can I give you a fourth one that you didn't include, but I think is exudes from you? Okay. I don't do this often, but when I do, I freaking nail it. Excellence in the little things. Mm. Man, you are one of those guys who is like, yo, I have to do the little things correctly. If I don't do the little, and you sort of uh, alluded to it when you talked about like, it's not my big fail. It's the, it's the culmination of my little fails. Yeah. You know, but even like talking about the cereal and talking about, we were talking about 75 hard on the way. It's like you n- give no ground for the little concessions. Yeah. No compromise, no modifications. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So you have, you have the clothing line, you have the married game, you have, you still do like syndication type stuff where you like connect people with money, right. To deal, deal flow. Yeah. You've got the comedy stuff. So basically famous now you're like, you and Garrett and you and both Garrett's pretty much like taking over the world. Is there anything like 10 years from now that you look at your life right now and you're like, man, I don't want this to ever change. I want this to stay the same forever. Yeah. There's a few things. I don't want the look in my daughter's eye towards me to ever change. Like my daughter loves me. We played for about three hours yesterday when we're in the jacuzzi, she's sitting on my lap talking. Like I, I want her to, whenever she's around me to be on me, I don't want that to change. I don't want the look of my wife's eyes. I know how much my wife adores me and I don't want that to ever change. Yep. And lastly, I don't ever want to not feel empowered again. I feel so empowered in my life that whatever I want to create, I can create. And I know the habits I have to have daily to create that. And I don't want that to ever change. I love it. The next question is going to be harder. So I'm giving you some, I'm going to give you space to make sure you know what you do want to change. But here's the reason I think that question is so important. People will always, they will always, from an average aggregate level, if you're like, what do you not like about your life? Or what do, you, what do you want your life to look like? They'll start describing the things that they don't enjoy. But I think it's so important to start with the reverse. What are the things in your life that you are so in love with that you never, ever want them to change? And most of the time, if you answer that correctly, you find that your life is actually pretty good. And we chase the wrong things, man. And dude, I get it. Like, I understand I got addicted to making money. I got addicted to wealth. I got addicted to real estate. But but at the end of the day, it's like, if you think about what I don't want to change, it's like, I never want pizza nights with just my wife on Fridays to change. I never want the ability to say, you know what? I'm not going to work today. I'm going to take my, I'm going to take Kate to donuts. I don't want that to ever change. So on that note, what is one thing or multiple things, if you have them, that you want to change over the next 10 years? And notice I'm giving you long horizons here, bro. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. am giving you time. Yeah. I like that. Well, I was kind of telling you earlier off record, like I'm not interested in being a, you know, what's the next level of being a caterpillar. I want to be a butterfly. And what that means is ultimate freedom, ultimate sovereignty, ultimate way of thinking. And I want to continue to change more and more where I trust what my creator is putting on my heart. And I don't need outside filters about that. I'm learning that. I want to be radically, radically monetary wealthy, like, like, like big because I created something that had so much, like it really, people were like, dude, I'm so glad this guy showed up on earth and said this, created this, did this, and that sparked something. And honestly, I'm learning that I have not been the leader to do something big and impactful and that every day I'm striving to become that. So I hope I reach that in the next 10 years where I can lead a real movement of people that say, 
I'm so damn glad that guy showed up on earth and I'm learning. Those are things I'm learning and, and that's what I want to grow into. I love it. I think you're already on your way to doing that, especially with I the so stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I believe 100%. it, but, but I, I see my shortcomings and go, Oh, okay. Wow. That's really why I started doing 75 hard again three weeks ago. I'm like, wait, I'm getting a little loose and I'm feeling disempowered in some things. And that is not okay with me. So you might have convinced me before we hopped on the show to do 75 hard just because I need something difficult in my life. Well, there's no better feeling than accomplishing something that's hard. None, not one. That's true. So there's no better feeling than owning the hardest form of money in history, which is Bitcoin. <laughs> also hard. Dude, you blew me and Garrett's mind the other day. Bro, it's it's so crazy. It's crazy. That's I mean, this show's gonna be really cool because we'll talk about like People think I'm smart, but I'm really not that smart. Like I'm a, I'm just a curator of like really good info. And but once mm. I get it, like I go all the way in. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see. Hopefully, you bust some some bored apes and and whatnot. I'm going to here shortly, but I want to let me say something. When you said all in, that's another thing that's been radically missing from my life in some areas. And I realized that on the word calling, if you take away the C and you take away the G, the middle is the word all in. And I'm like, I'm all in on my calling, man. Like I'm all in on this and that's what I want to be about. I'm just all in. And I've been distracted in my life and I don't want to be distracted anymore. And that's what, that's what 75 hard says. You have to plan, bro. I've traveled a lot on 75 hard today. I traveled, I was on a plane out here to Dallas, Fort Worth. So I had to get up at four 35 to get my workout in so I could get packed, get ready to go and jump on an early flight to go here. As soon as we're done here, we're down to the gym. And it's not that I'm trying to get so buff and so ripped, even though those things are amazing. But for me, dude, it's made me think about if I have to plan it out, which I've not really been that great of a planner. You asked me if I'm great at time management. If I want to get something done, yes, nothing will stop me. But how do I get my life on every level to truly be elite? When a man looks at my body, he goes, damn, that's a guy who, that guy knows what he's doing. When he looks at my bank account, he goes, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. When he looks at my marriage, he goes, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. When he looks at how I treat my kids and my friends, they go, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. That's the goal for me. I'm starting today. This is the effect you have on people, bro. I don't even know if you know it, but I'm like, you kind of are a tide lifter, so to speak, because I'm like, dude, I have to start today because if I don't, then I'm going to talk to you in 30 days. Everything will have changed in your life and nothing will have changed in mine. And you have that energy where you help people think about it that way. So, dude, you're a legend. There's nobody like you. You're number one on this list for a reason, because if we get to the, if we get to the end, man, and we're successful by Wall Street standards, but like you've witnessed, you don't have your wife, you've lost, you've lost. And so priorities are really important. And uh, dude, I don't say this lightly because, and I don't say this really to many people, but you've helped me make sure and that my priorities are accurate and correct. So thank you for that. If people want to find out more about you, we'll put stuff in the show notes, marriedgame.com. We'll put your socials and everything on there. You're, you're getting famous and you're getting famous. People will have to find you eventually. Can I say one thing before we go? Because I feel like yeah. we've got that winding down, closing. Yes. Down. The show's almost over. The curtains are coming in feel, which I love. It's great. Yeah. I think for me, the thing I've become most conscious about is how do I make other people feel good and bad? Like, is, like if you're average and you're not willing to put in the work, I hope you feel awkward around me and that you don't, that we are not the same. 
But I also want people to like you and people that are going after the dream. I want to be their biggest cheerleader and rooting them on. And like genuinely, I, I watched a guy do a documentary yesterday that he just, his documentary came out and I was so inspired by it that I literally just sent him a voice message. I says, I want you to know I'm enjoying watching your show, your life and your show inspires me. And I just want you to know I'm rooting for you so big. And you might be the coolest person I actually know. And I want you to know that I'm rooting for you. Most people are afraid to give compliments. I really genuinely mean it because when people like what you just complimented me made me feel amazing. And that's how we can make people feel good is when you notice something great about them, say, dude, you're really great at that. Yeah. hundred percent champion of people. Yeah. Just champion people and champion people that are doing something awesome. I can't champion a loser. I can't champion a lazy person. There's nothing to champion there. I don't have any of those participation trophies, but dude, you want some blue ribbons for being the best, best pig in the stock at this county fair? It's yours. <laughs> oh, on that note, everyone, Keith Yaki, dude, I love you. Thank you for hopping on here. I love you, man.